Uh, we're taking the show on the road. Uh, if y'all have been a part of our study that we've been doing now almost a year uh, now that we've been doing these recorded studies, uh, we try to keep them to about 30 minutes. And when we kind of got uh, strong-armed into making this into a Wednesday night class, we decided we would just follow our same format since we're used to it. So what that means for you is uh, we're going to have like the last five to 10 minutes of class for comments and questions. Is that all right? And then uh, we'll just do it like we normally do, where we uh, just banner around talking about the text. I use notes. He just flies by the seat of his pants most of the time, uh, if you've caught on to that. I'll have five, six, seven pages of notes. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. He's amazing. Uh, and, uh, but that's what we generally do. We just go. Now, we are going to have to be a little more careful this time. We've only got 13 weeks. Uh, and if y'all noticed, we, we don't care how long it takes uh, online, so we're going to have to be just a little bit more organized this time, so we'll move right along. Uh, no study guide for you, just to throw that out there to you, so forgive us on that. Uh, we don't have a study guide, but we will give you lots of notes uh, as we go through the text. So, you ready to roll? You ready to get this I think so. Roll? I'm still not sure about this, but there's not many people <laughs> well, that do... Dual it's, teaching. Well, the problem this, this is, is we, be didn't, we didn't eat at the deli right before we that, came that, over that, here. That's, Generally, right. that's, that's how it works. Thing. We hit the deli and then come right on over. <laughs> uh, and then when we get here, so what are we talking about? <laughs> that's generally the conversation. All right, we're in 1 Timothy. So if you'll join us in 1 Timothy, uh, we're going to be focusing on these letters that are shared to uh, the beloved son in the faith of the Apostle Paul, and that's where we want to spend our time tonight. So as you turn to 1 Timothy, I want you to take your minds back to Acts chapter 16, and uh, this is the first encounter. So what do you think we just begin right there, uh, if you will, Mark? Acts chapter 16, Paul is coming back to Lystra, and Timothy joins him. Uh, kind of a remarkable thought that he would join Paul after what happened the first time Paul was there. It's his second journey. His first journey probably was 44 to 48, somewhere in that three to four year. So this is a second journey starting after the conference uh, in Jerusalem. So that'd be about 50. So we're talking maybe four or five years, possibly between his first and second, as far as Timothy is concerned. Uh, as we read about Timothy in scripture, I get the impression that he probably was the one who converted Timothy on his first um, journey uh, through the area, wasn't mentioned at the time, but when he gets to Acts 16, uh, Timothy's quite a star in his local area, apparently, uh, and uh, Paul recognizes that. He, he, he honors um, the mama uh, and the grandmother in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy. Here in Acts 16, he just talks about uh, the, the mother being a convert, and then Timothy, but he was well-spoken in that area, and however old Timothy was, he's, he's charmed by Timothy saying, this kid is pretty good, and I want to take him along with us. And, and then he subjects Timothy to circumcision, but we don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't understand just how old he is, but we read in Timothy don't let people abuse your youthfulness. Now, Timothy would be written probably 20 years after he's converted. 
And so however old he was in Timothy in AD 63, he's 20 years less uh, in Acts 16. So really don't know how old he is, but what you get out of the scripture calls him child, calls him son, talks about his youthfulness. And so Timothy must have been fairly young when he was converted and when he was taken on the journeys with Paul after this. So he was his right-hand man from then on after that, uh, when he left him and went with him in Lystra. Well, it is remarkable when you think about Timothy uh, per se, and if you want to just make notes, here's some notes about Timothy. So Timothy's going to be a young man, exactly how young, we're not exactly sure, but if, even if you put him at the age of 20, by the time you get to 1 Timothy, and it's like Mark said, we've gone 20 years now, well, that put him at the age of 40. Does that make sense? And then Paul's going to say to him in the letter, don't let anybody despise your youth, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and Mark's got a theory on that that he'll share with us in a moment as to why he used that verbiage. We sometimes think, don't let anybody despise your youth when he wrote the letter to him, that he would probably be a teenager then or even in his 20s. Well, probably not. Uh, he was probably a little bit older because uh, just looking at the time frame. Now, secondly, what you consider about Timothy that's very important, I think, is when Paul came through there, the first journey, and Mark mentioned the first journey, so uh, we're talking about in the early 40s, maybe 44 uh, AD, he, he gets to Lystra, and Lystra's where he's stoned. That, that's where the Judaizing teachers have followed all the way from Antioch to Iconium. They've come down and they've stirred the pot there in Lystra, even though they were having success with the gospel. Here come the Judaizing teachers. They drag Paul out of the city. They stone him and leave him for dead. He gets up and walks back in, and to me, it's very, very just remarkable that when Paul shows up the next time and comes back around, Lois and Eunice say, hey, you want to go with, you want to go with Paul? I mean, how many of y'all would let your kids take off with somebody who had been stoned, you know, and then just go running across the universe uh, in that day and age on a missionary journey, not even exactly sure where you're going? Uh, thing I say to my kids every night, even when they come home now and they're, they're adults, uh, where are you going? Well, Paul, he's just going. And, and, and Timothy goes with him, so it definitely shows a lot of faith. Uh, in Acts 16, as Mark said too, Lystra, Iconium, the area spoke very well of Timothy. So the implication is he was converted the first time Paul was there, and he was active in the kingdom uh, to such an extent that he had a great reputation uh, among everybody. And maybe one of the reasons that Paul's going to recruit Timothy is, well, he doesn't have Barnabas with him now, you know. Uh, and Silas is with he's him. He's got Silas. He's got Silas, but uh, there's something impressive about Timothy. It's just obvious from the passage, he's being well-liked in his local area, uh, well-spoken of, and Timothy must have been impressive. And so Paul sees that, must be well-spoken, I'm guessing, uh, and he's saying he's going to be good for the kingdom. Well, and, and to me, we've been playing up Timothy here. To me, nothing speaks more to his character than the fact that Paul said, all right, we're going to have to speak to some Jews. Uh, I know your daddy's a Greek, uh, and you've been living your life as a Greek. Uh, if you're going to have any success with me among the Jews, you're going to need to be circumcised. Uh, and it shows not only submission, clearly, uh, in the heart of Timothy, but it also shows the extent of somebody's willingness to 
have an opportunity to preach the gospel and to share the gospel, I'm going to do all that I can to reach folks, even though it's not required by the law anymore, all right? They are no longer living under the old covenant, and that's going to be part of their sermon that they're going to share with the Jews, but I'm willing to submit and give in uh, to be a part of this mission. Uh, to me, that's powerful. This is a remarkable young man. I'm sure happy. I'm sure that Titus was very happy there was a Timothy uh, because he didn't have to be circumcised. And so um, the case was made uh, to the Jews in Jerusalem that he didn't have to be. So it's interesting, Timothy saying, well, <laughs> I'm sure Timothy maybe said, wait a minute, if he didn't have to be, how come I had to be? But uh, he was. I, I want to speak to Lois and Eunice, though. They must have been very powerful, godly women. And it, it talks about in Timothy uh, just how successful they were. They brought him up from his youth, from young years, to be a person of God, believing in a Messiah. And so Paul comes into the area and starts talking about a Messiah, and what do they do? They're converted. And I think that Timothy was ready for that because of his his grandmother and his mother speaks volumes uh, about these two ladies and their faith and their influence on Timothy. So I don't want to minimize them. They, they had a great deal to do with Timothy and the kind of young man that he was. A uh, couple of other citations of interest with respect to Timothy. Timothy is going to be mentioned specifically in three of the letters uh, that Paul will write, and he's given top billing right off the bat by Paul. You find it in Philippians 1, verse 1. Uh, he commends Timothy to the brethren as he writes the letter to the church of Philippi, so they would be familiar with Timothy. Uh, Colossae, uh, the letter to the Colossians, in Colossians 1, verse 1, and then also in his letter to Philemon, uh, right off the bat, he, he mentions Timothy. And so there, there is certainly not only the affection that Paul has for Timothy, but the brethren have for Timothy, uh, and they know of his work. And, and Timothy's going to be very active. It's, we kind of put him in as an apprentice, and he's certainly Paul's son in the faith. And uh, you kind of see him in the apprentice role here. But he is very active as a participant in the kingdom. He's not just like an understudy, uh, if you will. He, he's out there working and serving and teaching and instructing. Well, when Paul was in Berea and the, the Jews came down from Thessalonica and started pressuring him, what did Paul do? He left Ty, or, or Timothy, Timothy and Silas in Berea. Young man. He's faced with all of the situations going on there. I think they're after Paul, and so maybe they weren't so much after Timothy, but he still stayed there. Then he comes down to Athens, and where does he do? He sends him back to Thessalonica. There's probably somebody at 20 years old. He's sending around doing all of these things for Paul. Now, if you read over in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10, it's an interesting thing. I'm going to send Timothy to you, Corinth, in horrible shape. As far as a, as a church is concerned, who does he send to them? He sends Timothy. But he says over there in 1 Corinthians 16, 10, 
treat him, you know, he's coming a little timid. There's a little fear in him to be coming to you. I want you to treat him well, treat him kindly, treat him as if he is me because he's coming in my place. So Timothy had some things about him that you can subtly see in Scripture. There may have been a little timidity to him, but he still did his work. Uh, if you were going to see over here in 1 Timothy, he had some ailments. Um, don't know what they were, but he was told to take a little wine for his stomach's sake and your other ailments. So Timothy had some things going on in his life, but he still did what Paul asked him to do at a very young age, even though he had some timidity. And I, I would say that to everybody. When you're young, you step up here to do something. What's in your heart? There is timidity there. There is fear there. There is a discomfort there if you're not used to it. And I know every young man and even older men in this audience can to attest to that. Yet he was willing to do it. And I think that's very important for all of us, uh, especially the younger men, that this timidity he could overcome. And he did his work, and he did it well, obviously. Paul trusted him with everything, but we're going to see in this letter, he is really honing in on Timothy and giving him specific instructions now because I'm leaving you at a big place here in Ephesus and Asia Minor, and you, it's your work. It's you. You've got to be prepared and ready to do this. All right, let's talk about the uh, time frame now of the letter. Uh, we've already mentioned that it was probably about 63 AD, so we're looking at about 20 years after uh, their first encounter. And so if you were to look at a timeline, this would be after the whole book of Acts, all right? Uh, Acts chapter 28, Paul's left in prison. We're, we're looking at where Paul has actually been released from that first imprisonment. And now he is preaching. If you'll notice verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Paul is in Macedonia, all right? But he's, he's leaving, or Timothy is preaching in Ephesus. So you, they're separated, as, as was their custom. They'd been separated many times. Uh, and so it's the instruction that Paul is giving to Timothy, all right, here's what you need to do and set in place in Ephesus. And I'm going to assume, I think it would be safe to say, Timothy's probably heard many of these things before because they've worked in churches together before and these aren't necessarily new commandments, but it's as if he's putting it in writing for Timothy to show with credentials, these are the instructions of Paul and the Holy Spirit, and these are to be shared with all the other churches. There are some specific things in Timothy that are towards or to Timothy, but his introduction there, I am an apostle by God and by Jesus Christ. His credentials you cannot argue with. And so Timothy basically is going into these different churches, probably in Asia Minor, uh, and saying, <laughs> here it is. This is from Paul. He's the apostle. I am his apprentice, not apprentice anymore. I am his lieutenant. I am his administrator. I am doing what Paul is telling me to do. Here's my credentials because Paul is saying for me to do this. So I think most of this, that first two verses are for the people who's reading this, not for Timothy. 
All right, let's read these first two verses. In fact, I'm just going to read down through verse 4, but we'll probably uh, pick up at verse 3 next week. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior and of Christ, Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God, this that is by faith. So we see the charge there right off the bat. And, and what's interesting, here's something else to me that's kind of fascinating if you follow the Bible timeline uh, through Acts and now as we see uh, Paul and his emphasis with Timothy in, in the city of Ephesus. The epicenter for Christianity begins in Jerusalem, all right? That's where it all began. Pentecost, that's where it all begins. But then you see a shift by the time you get to Acts chapter 11 that it seems to be more focused in Antioch. Uh, and then the spread of the gospel there with Barnabas uh, and Paul uh, there. And then Antioch is going to commission uh, Paul or help Paul go and start spreading the gospel. But then we almost see that it ends up in Ephesus later. Uh, Ephesus is going to be mentioned. Now, uh, yeah, you got, you've got Paul in Ephesus. So Paul's, let's just, let's just talk about the preachers, the preachers in Ephesus. That's right. Uh, you got right. Paul, you got well, Timothy. You got to start out with Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah, yeah. So Priscilla and Aquila were probably major. And Apollos. And Apollos, instrumental in it, uh, in Acts 18. Uh, then Paul. So Paul stayed there, what was it, three years? Three and a half years? Two, three years and three months, yeah. but they call it three. There you go. Okay. So it's a Paul. Thank you. Three months. They're nice. Yeah. That's your first one there. You're happy, aren't you? All right. Uh, then, you know, I'm going to get you. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. I am so far ahead of you right you, now that you could go You ahead. totally destroyed me uh, on the last First Peter. Uh, y'all just have to watch that. He was very unkind to me. Uh, he got me good. He's just got me before I got him. So where are we? Uh, so we have Aquila, Priscilla, Paul. Then Timothy's going to preach there. And then, then guess who moves in? And then John. John. Would anybody want to go preach and follow those guys? <laughs> That's Ephesus. Now, so who's preached here before? Who had you ever? Oh, we had uh, Paul and then Timothy and John. I'm not preaching there. I'm not going to go follow those guys. But what's fascinating is, by the time you get to the Revelation, what do you find out about Ephesus? Even with those wonderful, godly, Holy Spirit-inspired men. They had a problem. They'd left their first love. And interestingly enough, it's John who's writing that to them. Yeah. And so it had to be somewhat of a disappointment to If this is how the Lord views you, Ephesus, you have a little bit that's wanting. And I'm sure that that didn't sit well with John, possibly, that that he had to say that to Ephesus, but he'd had to. Well, there were challenges in Ephesus. Uh, If you go to Acts 19, uh, you'll notice that there was a misunderstanding with respect to baptism in Ephesus. And and so Paul is going to teach them about the Holy Spirit and the baptism into Christ. You get here to Timothy's writing. Uh, or Paul's writing to Timothy here, and what does he say? I need you to remain in Ephesus. Why? Because there's certain individuals uh, that need to be taught. 
not to be chasing genealogies and myths and speculations and different doctrines. And then you get to the Revelation, and what do we find about Ephesus? They've lost their first love. So they're, they're a church with problems. Uh, they're, they're just like any other church. So I, I guess we'd almost, instead of harping on them, uh, is there any church that doesn't have problems or need correction? And it doesn't matter who your preacher is. There, there's, there's a need there. So, so Timothy is in Ephesus. Let me talk about that timeline just a little bit right. longer. This is speculation timeline. You're putting this timeline together based upon things that Paul says to people. In Philippians, he says, I, I, want, I think I'm going to be able to come to see you. Um, when he left Ephesus the last time, I, I think he felt that he was probably going to die. Um, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm being told by what? I'm being prophesied every place I go that you're going to be thrown into prison. You're going to have a tough time in Jerusalem. And so he's hearing that. Are you talking that. about the Acts 20 when yeah, he meets yeah, with the elders? Yeah, when the elders. Okay, the last and so time all of that's brother, happening yeah. in yeah. Acts. Yeah. Then he's finally tried and sent to Rome. He's in Rome for two years. Now he's writing to the Philippians and saying, I may be coming. He has written to Colossae saying, I may be coming. He said to Philemon, I intend to see you. If you look at those areas, then you speculate because now we have Timothy that has to have been written after Acts. And so you have Timothy, so you're putting all these things together. You've got him leaving Rome. Where does he go? Apparently, he probably goes down to Crete with Titus. Then he comes back up and maybe goes to Ephesus initially, and then goes over to Colossae, very likely. Well, he comes back to Ephesus based upon what we're speculating. And what's he do? He meets Timothy there. He leaves Timothy there. Where is he going to go now? Now I'm going to go into Macedonia. Well, I told him I was going to come see him up at Philippi. And so you're putting all those things together, but that is us putting a timeline together. That is not what you read in Acts. Timothy does not come out of Acts. It, it, it comes at a later time. Yeah, so the, the writing of the letter of Timothy is going to come at a later time is what we're saying there. And so we put all this as speculation to kind of, let's talk about his age then real quick. Let no one despise your youth. How old is he? Well, if he's 15 when he's first converted, it, name it. You just go along that line. Then in 20 years from there, he'd be 35. So my, my suspicions are that he's between 35 and 40. Now that's interesting. It's still youthful in the, in the Hebrew Jewish uh, tradition, he is still considered a youth. Now, I take the position, Timothy was in a position that people may have thought he should be older. And, and I use this. Uh, if you have a senator who's 38 to 40, what is he? He's a youthful senator. If you had a president, well, he has to be 35 or older, but if he were 40, he would, be, he, would, he would be an extremely young president. Well, you've got Tom Brady, who's 44, who's quarterbacking football. What is he in football? He is older than dirt. And so it based upon an age factor as to how you call somebody as far as their age is concerned. So in, in, in pro sports, if you're 30s, late 30s, early 40s, you're done. 
But as a preacher, you may just be getting started as far as what people are considering as far as youthfulness is concerned. So, but Timothy must have had something about him that Paul is saying, look, people are going to talk to you about your age. Don't worry about it. Just go on and be the person I'm telling you to be. So I could be Timothy? Is that you you could be Timothy, either way. Yeah, right. you, and you could, if you were trying to play golf now, you would be what? Guess what? No, 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 don't be going there. <laughs> I was going to get Tom Brady on my fantasy team. I may not now. He's an old man. Seemed pretty good to me last season. I don't know no, about but I'm just saying... Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is relative. It's a and, relative thing. And, and interestingly enough, when, when we get over into the letter itself, Timothy's going to be called upon to speak to the older men. Uh, and, and that's hard. It's always hard. Uh, I don't care what age you are to instruct somebody older than you. Uh, and, and I think the admonition is, regardless of your age, you've got the word behind you. You've got my word behind you. Uh, and so don't let it be a factor. But he's not technically a young man like we would describe no. a young man when this letter's written. He looks like he's going to be appointing elders. Yeah. He's been left with that commission. And he's going to tell him over here later on in Timothy, be careful about who you lay hands on. You choose well these elders that you're going to be choosing because it may come back to haunt you. So there, there's that age thing. I am a younger person doing this kind of work, and there may be members of the church who are going to wonder about that. All right, three more uh, references to Timothy in Scripture that I find very interesting. Uh, we mentioned how he was mentioned in three of the letters that Paul writes, and Paul credits him in those letters. Uh, you find that in Philippians 2, uh, when Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, he simply says this of Timothy, I have no one else like him. That's a powerful statement. I have no one else uh, like him, Philippians 2, 19 to 22. Uh, at the end of 2 Timothy 4, all right, we're going to see a change in Paul's situation. Uh, when we get to 2 Timothy, Paul is probably imprisoned again. In fact, he is imprisoned. Uh, and he's going to say to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to come to Rome and I want you to bring the parchments and, and bring the coat. It's as if he's saying, bring an old man his coat. Uh, and so you will see that reference. Who does he want to visit him? Who, who is the person he wants with him? He wants Timothy there. And so we see that in 2 Timothy 4, 9, and 21. And then the Hebrew writer. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 13, and in verse 23, will mention Timothy. Uh, is it the same Timothy? I think it's safe to say uh, it possibly is. But that Timothy was imprisoned uh, or had been imprisoned. Uh, why, we don't know, uh, but you certainly see the level of his faith there, and, and that wouldn't be a surprise uh, at all when we consider all the, the apostles and most teachers, or many teachers, uh, especially late first century, uh, were dealing with persecution. So that, that also, to me, speaks volumes of Timothy uh, and his faith. Uh, let's go through just real quick, and then we'll open it up to everybody else. I'll give Mark some closing uh, moments here to make some closing statements. Let me give you just simply uh, six things, six things that Paul shares with Timothy, uh, six things that are shared in this first letter to Timothy of instruction. Number one, it's a divine guide for the local preacher, all right? Uh, it's divine guidelines uh, for a local preacher. 
uh, speaking to a local church. And, and ultimately, that's what you see here. Uh, we sometimes refer to or hear referred to First and Second Timothy as the pastoral letters, uh, but it's actually used in the concept of this is the preacher. This is a preacher responsibility. So you see a divine guide for local preachers. Secondly, you see a divine guide for the public assembly and worship. Uh, and it's merely focused on uh, brethren and brethren interaction within that assembly. So it's, it's that public sim- assembly and gathering and when you gather together uh, to assemble and worship. Thirdly, you have the qualifications of shepherds, the qualifications of leaders. Uh, and so that's going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 3, a very detailed list, uh, similar in many ways uh, to a list that Paul shares with Titus when he tells Titus to go around through the island of Crete uh, and appoint elders in all the churches. Uh, and so we'll see that in our study. Number four, you have rebuking the false teacher. Uh, and this is going to be a challenge. It doesn't matter what age you are, if you're having to rebuke somebody, uh, but especially if they're older, that's a challenge. Uh, but that was the charge. Uh, Timothy, I need you to rebuke the false teacher. Deal with the false teaching. We actually mentioned it just in the verse 3 right off the bat, but it's going to come up again. Uh, and you're going to see that there are some who are probably acquainted and familiar with this congregation who have shipwrecked their faith and lost their faith. Uh, number four, you're going to find instructions given to every demographic of the congregation. Every demographic. Older men, here's what you need to be doing. Older women, here's what you need to be doing. Younger women, here's what you need to be doing. Younger men, here's what you need to be doing. So you're going to find divine instruction for simply everybody uh, in the family of Christ in that congregation. And, and then the, the last thing that I have on my list, and you may have more, Mark, is uh, how the brethren should handle themselves. And he speaks specifically of money. <laughs> How, how they should handle their money and then self-control. Uh, and then also he'll speak to self-control of the preacher, but uh, how to handle yourself and, be, and be, be very mindful of the way you handle yourself, whether it's your character or even your finances uh, and how you handle your finances. And so he's going to speak to that because apparently some of the brethren uh, were blessed and they shouldn't be, as Jesus said, storing up treasures on the earth. They need to store them up in heaven. And so he's going to speak to that uh, as well. So those are the six things that I see. Are there anything you would add you know, to that It's interesting about the ones? riches. It's, oh, by the way. I mean, he had finished the letter. And he says, you know, I, I've already talked to you about riches, but I'm going to hit this again. Yeah. And so uh, there may have been some people in Ephesus and Asia that needed to have that instruction. Very. I, I take verse 15 in 1 Timothy 3. 15 is right in the middle of the book, and I think it's there for a purpose. But he says, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So everything before and after this verse is directed to Timothy to tell brethren, this is how you need to be behaving. Yeah. as far as church is concerned. And so th- these are instructions. Here's what uh, 
He's been in Ephesus how many times now? And yet he's still having to tell these brethren how they need to behave. And so... Well, but, but, but then, if it's been 20 years, it, it's new brethren. There's a cycle. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of like us, you know, they're growing and... and well, and if this is 63, and, he was probably there in 57, 58, so it's seven years yeah. uh, since he's maybe seen them face to face, but... It's, it's an ongoing process. That's what happens with churches, and that's something we need to understand as churches. There's constantly changeover. There's constantly the need to be instructed on how to behave. And so it's, brethren may say, well, you've talked about that before. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about it again because that's what the Lord intends for people to hear again and again and again because we being human beings are lax and sometimes we just may drift very gradually, very, you know, softly, no glaring problems, but there may be a drift in the, and the Lord's saying, no, this is how I want it to be done. Well, I think we can safely say, speaking on behalf of the shepherds uh, here, we're always happy to study these verses. <laughs> these are, oh, this is a good study. Well, maybe this would be good for us to hear, knowing what you uh, uh, know and, and challenges and, and what we need to grow and work on. So 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, key verses. Those are kind of your key verses. If you were to look for this is what it's all about, to lump it all into one verse, one main verse, key verse, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 will be it. All right, we got a few Question. minutes left. Questions or comments? This is the part of our study we're not... We probably went a little too long. Yeah. So you only get one question tonight. Well, (laughs) we got a couple of minutes here. Any thoughts or questions? No. Correct. Absolutely, positively not. We are the household of God, not this edifice. And, and, you know, to me, that's, that's the thing to think about also. We kind of look at Ephesus and go, oh, man, poor John's probably going, oh, I can't believe this. Or, you know, or even Timothy, I worked all those years. Well, it, it, it's not about the next and next and next generation. It's who you're working with right now. That's your church. That's your responsibility. That's that house. Does that make sense? That's the church. We're the church. And, and, and we're working on each other. We're serving one another. That's what he says to the Ephesians, brethren, in chapter 4. This is a mature congregation. What are you doing? All of you are working together to bring each other to a maturity. That's what a church is supposed to be doing. And every generation is supposed to be doing that. And so, uh, but it needs instruction periodically on how to do that. Yes, sir. You have to admire Paul's courage, you know, going into Ephesus and telling them that, you know, the temple of Diana, or Diana falls down and all that. That would be the same as like you or I going to Orlando and saying, you know, Lee Pastor's a leader. Same thing. So Paul's courage. You probably happened to you just what happened to him. He got run out of Ephesus. And that's, but that's what he, every place he went, he got run out of practically. Well, and, and the temple never And Alexander, if over an axe, silversmith, well, he's also mentioned again in Timothy saying he's still giving me fits. And so uh, he must have lasted a long time too. So 
He's still going on, giving him fits. All right, uh, we'll do just like we do uh, online. If you have any questions uh, or comments or anything, if you want to shoot us a note or save it for class, uh, I would prefer, and he needs to hear this more than anybody, that you don't play stump the preacher. Uh, and just wait till we're on live or whatever, and then ask the question as we're recording. So if you want to, you got a tough question, they took, you know, 10 minutes, at least 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. Uh, I gave you a week for this one. <laughs> You've been sitting on that. They weren't even in our study. Well, you know, you can talk about Jesus and <laughs> 